You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to a very special episode of Open Holler. We have so much to go into today. Like, it's going to be kind of crazy how much ground we try to cover in just a span of 40 to 45 minutes. But as always, even though we have so much to cover, I still have to address the elephant in the room. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this busy day in the NBA? Just trying to keep up with Woj and, you know, Shams and doing all that on the cusp of, you know, the end to finals final exams for school and mentally preparing myself to go up against reagan the reagan yeah you gotta you gotta get right mentally man you gotta get right (laughs) you have to be in a different state of mind to beat a man by nine points in a game to 11 three straight times you gotta be in a different state of mind eddie how about yourself i'm happy because you know i'm done with finals it's officially winter break for me and then of course keeping up with all this chaos on this you know friday free to see day i mean i will be honest it started so slow that i was wondering like is nothing just gonna happen today because usually the deals just come in like right at you know 301 or whatever time it is that free agency starts but it was kind of slow rolling but you know after the after you know a couple hours it was really pretty chaotic no doubt about it it definitely started popping off after uh maybe it started at what 330 Around 4.15-ish, 4.30-ish, it really started popping off, but it was interesting. Um, Julio, I'm going to be ready for you tomorrow, man. I know your teammates, they're listening to the podcast. If they're looking out for the videos, they're going to see some. They're going to be disappointed in their teammate tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there with the with the noise. Now Julio's going right. to work me. <laughs> 11-0 across the board. But with that said, we have a lot of news to get into. We're going to be getting into the uh, all the signings. We're going to be giving them on a star basis. I remember... Uh, Eddie, one to five stars, five is a great signing for the team. One is a very bad signing for the team. But before we get into that, some big news around the NBA, some solemn news for both the Golden State Warriors and the NBA as a whole. We want this league to be competitive. We want it to be as good as it can be. But this league can't be like that if the Golden State Warriors aren't at their best. And unfortunately, it won't be at their best next season. With Klay Thompson suffered an Achilles injury. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this? How do you feel? Specifically you, Eddie. I'll start with you since you're the Warriors fan here. I mean, I hope that how I feel about it is how most NBA fans feel about it. And what I mean by that is I hope people feel like that they are getting robbed of, you know, like a real NBA moment, you know. And I mean, as a Warriors fan, obviously it was sad, like when the first post came out, um, it was really uh, unspecific, but the wording of it was already, it just didn't seem great. And um, at this point, you know, with two major injuries to Clay, it's like, well, shit, it's like, is he ever going to be normal, right? And then you talk about him missing this year. Then you're talking about Steph is 33 in a couple years. And is 31, but he's, you know, like a 
quickly aging player, Clay coming off multiple injuries. And it's like, I think the reality is the Warriors as we knew them probably, you know, is never going to be anymore. And I mean, that's just, it's kind of hard to reckon with, not only as a Warriors fan, but I feel like as an NBA fan, like this was the premier team. Like this was a style of basketball for, you know, five years that people got to watch a game in, game out. And, you know, like it's not going to be like that anymore. And, you know, two, two of those years were just taken away because of injuries. And sometimes, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles. But um, it's really unfortunate. No, man, it, it was it was super. I mean, gut wrenching is just an understatement for what I felt for, you know, not only for the league and basketball product, which is what you guys alluded to, but for Clay himself, bro, like being a player. Going through a year of rehabbing your ACL, your knee, just to be, you know, 100% right for the next season to make a real push. Yeah. Only to then, you know, tear your Achilles tendon. That, I mean, that that's going to be mentally tough. And obviously, we're not getting into, you know, these players make millions and millions of dollars. Of course they do. But you want to do, you know, you want to play the game that you love, that you sign up for. And, uh I wasn't totally on board with all the pundits saying that the Warriors are going to, you know, win the Western Conference this next season. But, I mean, you had to say that, you know, they were, they were going to be super competitive. Um, my mind does go to Steph, though. I picked Steph to win the MVP last year. Um, and, I, of, of course, I, I hope that he doesn't get hurt this next year. But this is – I feel like this is Steph's first year while he's in his prime that he's kind of by himself – so, I mean, I, I'm maybe it's me, you know, with too high of expectations, but he better go off. What you mean he's by himself, bro? He got Andrew Wiggins. What you talking about? <laughs> no, man, it, it's real tough. And you guys both alluded to the why it's extremely tough, both from a league standpoint, from a warrior standpoint, and then also from the, the guy himself, right? I mean, let's not forget about Clay Thompson, like you mentioned. I mean, I'm not even going to go back into it. You said it all, but... It almost feels like if what you say is true, Eddie, and this is the end of the Golden State Warriors dynasty, I will definitely feel robbed because you you, you always want to see somebody get usurped or beaten or taken down. We talk about how Michael Jordan was a guy that we never really got um, to see them get knocked down at their peak. He always succeeded. But, you know, if this Warriors dynasty goes down because of injuries, I, I can't think uh, of a more dominant dynasty in the history of sports that went down like this, you know what I mean? Because, you know, certain guys just couldn't stay healthy. Um, maybe they aged out of it. Maybe another team came up and got better. But, you know, this would be just a sucky way to end something that was so great to watch. Um, albeit frustrating for a lot of NBA fans. I think a lot of them are kind of reconciling with the fact that although, you know, it was kind of frustrating that it was a foregone conclusion that the Golden State Warriors were going to win the championship, it was still enjoyable as a basketball product, which is... Uh, it's just unfortunate that if it does end like this, then that it would have to end like this. That, that's that's never. And I mean, like, think about how kind of cruel it is that the last two games that we saw this iteration of the Warriors teams, like most likely the last two games we saw at their kind of full strength, was you know them looking super dominant with KD in that game five before that injury, and then that you know game six, you know like Clay was just going berserk right against the Raptors until he got hurt. I mean, so you still had Steph, I mean, whatever, like Kevon Looney playing through that broken collarbone. Like, you still saw kind of the pieces of it. And, you know, that's probably the last game that we've seen of them at that kind of strength. 
Um, hopefully, you know, they, they still have a little bit of gas in the tank in a couple of years, but you know, it's just, it's so unlikely. And, um, I don't know. I think all the other news going on made it kind of like it dampened it a little bit with the draft and the free agency happening so fast. But you know, like that. I mean, it's it's just super major. There's yeah. no other way around it. They are building though. You got James Wiseman in house now, and they also made a trade for Kelly Oubre. Really, really brief thoughts on that Kelly Oubre trade. I do want to move on, but any thoughts on it? Um, so yeah, go ahead, Eddie. Go ahead. So the Warriors did have you know basically an extra seventeen million dollars to use. They could have went a lot of different ways with it. I think this made a lot of sense. Um, you know, get yourself a guy who is young, you know, so you can think in the future with as well and, you know, has upside. Um, the only thing that I don't like is that the Warriors don't have a lot of shooting around Steph this year, and hopefully they can add some pieces in free agency elsewhere. But um, if you look at this team that they have right now, it has way more athleticism and length than any Warriors team uh, that Steve Kerr has coached ever. And it's really up to him to really maximize that. that. That's my biggest beef with the signing. Kelly Oubre, you know, maybe it was because of Clay. Maybe they would have done it anyways. But I guess, yeah, that, that's my biggest beef with, with the signing that you have zero shooting virtually around Steph. And maybe Steph, you know, you might think that, you know, his shooting is so insane that he'll create such open shots for his teammates around him but obviously that didn't work last year or the year before that with Draymond when they had KD and you know Clay um but yeah I that I mean they're I feel like they're gonna have to restructure their whole offense now um so I'm very curious to see how that's gonna look but I I guess that that is a good signing in totality in general with you know Clay going down it will be interesting for sure. In other news, you have the Milwaukee Bucks who were looking pretty good, right? They got uh, uh, they, they had traded for Drew Holiday, so now you're looking at Drew Holiday, you're looking at Chris Middleton, you're looking at Giannis. They had brought Brooke Lopez back, and they'd inserted Bogdan Bogdanovich, it appeared, into the lineup. And that was going to be what you said in the last episode, Julio, a really good starting lineup. Um, I didn't think it'd be enough to win the East, but um, nevertheless, it was going to be pretty freaking good. But... Somebody pulled the plug on it, and someone probably reported a little too early, or whether no one told Bogdan Bogdanovich about this at all, or something like that. But Bohan is not part of this anymore. He actually is going to the the Hawks, right? There was rumor that he might be headed to the Hawks, but he's not going to be in Milwaukee. What are you guys' opinions on on this? You know, fallout of, of what was going to be a very beneficial deal for the Milwaukee Bucks. So from a basketball standpoint, I think it's pretty unfortunate that the Bucks kind of lost out on this deal because it would have made them much better because I wanted to see the Bucks with, you know, the, this fully loaded kind of roster to go up against uh, the, the at least what would be my favorite team in the East and the Brooklyn Nets. And Giannis is probably super pissed off about, you know, this trade falling through. But at the end of the day, Giannis being an MVP, the MVP that he is, I mean, his team still got better with Drew Holiday. Um, and you still retained, uh, even though you didn't get bogged down, you still retained a solid role player, very solid role player, DiVincenzo. So uh, again, it, it's up to Giannis to take take them over the top. What, what's funny about you know this whole situation, where all the tweets that were coming in, it, it was like one of them said Sacramento just assumed that they didn't have to tell Bogdan because you know everybody just prefers to be elsewhere other than Sacramento. And this dude's like, I'm not going to a winning 
to winning a, a, a team that can probably maybe win a chip because uh, uh, it's Milwaukee. Um, but, you know, all, all the tweets were coming in funny. And, and, you know, that goes for the rest of free agency. But it is unfortunate as a basketball fan. So what I what I feel like happened is because some people think, oh, the Bucks were super incompetent. They try to sign a guy that never agreed or like the Kings were incompetent. But um, it's kind of interesting. Bogdanovich has the same agent as Marcus Morris's old agent when he signed with the Spurs and then unsigned with the Spurs. Okay, and there's a third so, player. So Marcus Morris's old agent, remember, because he signed with the Spurs last year, mm-hmm. they traded Bertans because of it, and then he was like, psych, let me take myself to the Knicks. Right. And then, shoot, I forgot there was a second player. Oh, it was um, Nemanja Bialica okay. a couple years ago. He signed with the Sixers, and then he backed out of the Sixers, threatened to play overseas, and then got a bigger bag in Sacramento. So what it could be is that this agent likes to use, like really toe that line really hard, you know, basically sign deals to get leverage. And I mean, that's kind of shady, but I don't really think it was, you know, a, a Kings or a Bucks problem. It could just be the agent that, you know, was using this as a form of leverage, which kind of sucks on, on everyone then. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. That wasn't as convoluted as I thought it was going to be. That seems pretty straightforward. Perhaps a theory. Um, but it was, it kind of sucks because I, I do agree with you as much as I kind of push back against the idea that, you know, that team was capable of winning or, or I, I thought it would be easier or, or more or better for the Bucks to essentially trade Giannis rather than try to win a, t- a chip with that team. Cause I still didn't think it would be enough. Um, but it was still going to be a pretty fun team to watch. and It was going to be an entertaining team to watch. Um, but it's unfortunate. That's how the NBA rolls sometimes, man. Deals get done. Deals get undone. But speaking of deals getting done, we have a lot of deals that actually did get done to run through. Remember, one star being the worst, five star being the best. We're rating it from the team perspective. Are you gentlemen ready? Very. Yeah. And just just a little ticker. The reason why we're doing one to five stars is because if we went on a one to ten scale or one to a hundred scale, I know Reagan has all sorts of weird little things he does when he rates things on a one to 100 scale so we're not even going to try to do that <laughs> yeah, we're it's, not it's easier that. for me to grade on a 100 scale because that's how i've always been graded on tests right like if i think the deal was like okay but not great i might give it a 73 you know what i mean but you know i'm cool with the five star ratings i'm also familiar with that just because of high school recruiting and all of that so we ready let's jump into it let's do it let's start out in la that boy Trez said, I, <laughs> I know I was talking a whole lot of noise last year, but I'm, I'm rolling with the other guys now. They seem like they know how to win over there. Montrez Harrell to the Los Angeles Lakers, two years, $20 million, rated from one star to five star. Julio, the Lakers fan, my fellow Lakers fan, I'm starting with you. So um, the first thing you look at is the value of the deal. Value of the deal is, I mean, it's insane. It's actually pretty crazy what, you know, we signed Montrez for, uh, uh, you know, the reigning sixth man of the year. Now you go to the team fit, and that's where it gets a little bit questionable. He's a six seven power forward. Um, he's, you know, obviously going to come off the bench behind a JaVale McGee who only makes $4 million, but that's beside the point. We're going to have our kind of, I, I guess, our Lou Will Montrez punch. Uh, but instead of Lou Will, we're going to have Dennis Schroeder, obviously. Um, so I think you do it automatically just because of what the value is. The fit will be questionable, though. 
So overall, I give it three point five. Four. Ah, uh, damn. 3.5? 3.54. I'll, wow. I'll, 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 I'll bump it up to a 3.75, right right there in the middle. <laughs> see, see now, who's, now who's weird with their ratings. See that, Eddie? I'm not the only one. All right, let me just jump in here because at first I was like, wow, like Montrez thought he could get $20 million a year, and now he's getting two-year mid-level, and the second year is not even guaranteed. Jokic, but, you know, <laughs> there, there might be some, you know, clutch strings being pulled or whatever, which is, you know, cool, which is cool. Like, that's fine. Um, that's a five-star value for the Lakers, but then you talk about fit. Yes. That's where it gets dicey because I think he's going to start. Um, I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure why not. Like, maybe he eats up too much space with AD. Like, I'm not told – again, so that's the questions about the fit. Like, I don't really get it. Like we saw his limitations in the playoffs, especially if you're playing a team like Denver, if you're playing a team with a good big. Um, hey, but again, like it. that's a talented, that's a talented value uh, at that age, at that price. I'd say that's a four star signing. And, and here's here's my thing with Montrez, and you know how his fit goes on to the with the rest of the Lakers. When when you look at their best players thus far, you look at their finishing five. This is what my mind went to. You look at Schroeder, Schroeder, whatever, mm-hmm. Ron, AD, and Montrez. That's four out of the five who cannot shoot. You might say, you know, LeBron shot 40% from three in the playoffs. Schroeder shot, you know, 41% off catch and shoot. AD's a good uh, a shooter for a big, but he's not a great shooter, you know, just in general, statistically. So that's where I really have questions for it. But again, you do it, you know, 10 times out of 10. I'm going to give it a five star. And that's because I'm petty. <laughs> that's because I'm petty. Because I know this hurts Clippers fans so, so much. Because they were talking all that noise. Come on, bring AD. Montrez is going to rough him up. Montrez is going to pretty much foul AD the entire time. That was like the core of the identity of what the Clippers were supposed to be this year. And y'all fumble the bag. And now look at your boy rocking purple and gold. That's five star to me. That's five star because I, I I thrive on negativity, and that's a very negative deal if you ask me. So I'm I'm a huge fan of it. I know it has some issues around the fit, but I feel like ultimately the talent prevails so long as you have the culture um, to uplift that talent. And I think the Lakers do. So, however, if it does look on the court come next year, I'm just happy to have that dude on the Lakers, man. That brings a level of toughness that we definitely didn't have, and it brings. Well, yeah, and very, and very, and very quickly to Eddie's point on the defensive end, uh, I, I think Bogle is going to help put him in situations that you know that that kind of more fit his kind of defensive role that can make him a better defensive player. And I mean, again, the scoring punches. These guys might not be my ideal wing who can come in and get a bucket from the mid range, but they are guys who ultimately score in, in Schroeder and, and Mantra. But okay. Reagan, I've, weren't you doing this all year talking about Montrez is only a, a quote unquote tough player? He only hey. flexes on dudes when they're up by thirty. Hey. It's like hey. fake toughness, hey. whatever ugly theory. Yep. Like weren't yep. you trashing him yep. all season long? I sure diddly was. That was me. That was me. But hey, if we're gonna do that, and you just not gonna have nothing to, to show for it at the end of the year, now that shows that he's learned a little bit of a lesson, and that you know, okay, I can do all that, and and and, and you know, it to no avail with the Clippers. Or I can go do all that and win a chip with the Lakers. So you know, I, I think that the, I think the part that I enjoy about it 
um, is the fact that I know this stings because you just knew and Montrez is, is exemplifying it right now that no matter how hard you flexed, no matter how hard you was talking noise in the fourth quarter up by 30, that wasn't going to be enough. The Clippers knew that now more than they ever have the fact that their boy, their dog is now wearing that purple and gold, man. But we can go ahead and rock. Uh, we got so much to cover. I don't want to keep it on here too long. Why don't we stay with the Lakers? Wes Matthews, 3.6. I feel like that's probably a, a th- four star, like three and a half, four star. Really pretty solid. Get you a shooter. Yeah, I, I'd call it the same thing. Obviously, it's not a five star because I really only res- reserve five stars for like, I guess, really game changers. He's not a super game changer, but the thing he is, he he's a arguably better or equal to Danny Green at a much cheaper price, a hefty discount. I mean, if you can get Schroeder uh, uh, plus Wesley Matthews for 18 mil rather than Danny Green at 15 mil, I mean, that's that, that's Rob Palinka doing a, a great job. So good signing. I'm with you there. I think I'd give it like three, let's do three and a half stars. Um, it's one of those things where Wes Matthews wanted to play with the Lakers, it seemed. And, you know, they had the, the biannual exception. So, you know, they made it work. I mean, his, his dad won two championships with the with the uh, Showtime Lakers. So you love to see it. You love to see it. All right. Y'all want to go on down to Detroit and see what the hell's going on over there? Why don't we yeah, bundle do all of the signings together? You got Plumley, Jaleel Okafer. And Jeremy Grant, holistically, how many stars are we giving Detroit for what they've done in free agency thus far? I mean, I would give it a fat F. Unless... <laughs> what? This man said, screw the stars. Sorry, That's just sorry. an F. <laughs> sorry. sorry, sorry. Zero, zero, zero. Zero um, stars. Or, I mean, I mean it, it's, it's pretty fascinating to see. I mean, maybe they have something in the woodworks that I just can't, you know, read the tea leaves. But... It really is fascinating how, you know, you know the idiocy that's going on here. Uh, what, what was Plumlee signed to? Three, three for twenty-five mil. Yeah. And it was reported that you know Christian Wood was about to accept a three-year twenty-seven mil from the Houston Rockets, which ultimately you know that went to the wayside. But you were really going to choose Plumlee over Christian Wood for. Two million less dollars. I mean, I don't know if that's cheap. I don't know if that's stupid. I don't know if that's incompetence. But that's just that. That's horrible. It's all the Plus above, Leo. You get Oka for and uh, uh, who else did they get? Grant. Mean Grant. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Grant is one of those dudes that you want to plug into a contender a contending team to play him, to, to pay him that much money. He, I mean, what is he going to do for you? Put all those guys next to Blake Griffin. What is that? What is that? What is what that? Is that? <laughs> no, I feel you. Eddie, what do you think? Um, I mean, I give it one star, I guess, just cause I feel like zero has got to be reserved for something even worse. Um, like Timofey Mozgov and Luol like Dang a or something. Dang, like a Luol Dang Mozgov? Yeah, yeah. I Still feel paying that dude, man. So, I, I mean, this is so surprising to me because their GM, their new GM, Troy Weaver, was, you know, the longtime assistant under Sam Presti in OKC. And, like, I don't know. I thought that he would have a much better plan to what he's doing. And it's, granted, it's early. And maybe there is something larger going yeah. on. 
Um, there was like one idea thrown out that the Grant plus Plumlee contracts together worked for a Blake Griffin sign and trade, but Denver didn't want to do that. This was just Detroit signing them to the dollar uh, dollar values. Um, so like, I don't know what, what this signing centers thing is all about. Like whether they saw, you know, the finals and saw Bam and AD and thought, Oh, you know, maybe we're returning to, you know, big mandates, but it, it really makes no sense to me. Um, it's really hard to, you know, find a reason why those deals are being done. So yeah, that, I mean, it's one star. I'm going to meet y'all in the middle go half a star here, mainly because I'm a guy who, you know, I, I enjoy Jeremy Grant. And I, when, I, when I watched the Nuggets play last year, I kind of got hints of offensive upside that he really just didn't get to flash a ton just because that wasn't what was being asked of him. But I think he, I, I think that I'd say it's more likely than not that we're, we look at this Jeremy Grant deal and be like 20 mils about right for what he's about to do in, um, in, in Detroit. But, you know, outside of that, like you guys were saying, the fit's terrible. I feel awful for Killian Hayes. He's going to go into a, a shit show out there in Detroit. Um, hopefully it doesn't, you know, spur his development too bad because I think that's a guy with a lot of game. But, yeah, there's no real rhyme or reason to what Detroit's doing right now. The only saving grace is Jeremy Grant, I feel like. But, he, but here's my thing about Grant that I want people to understand is that he might be one of those players to where, you know, he fits good in a role around a Jamal Murray, uh, 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 Jokic-led team. And I want to tell people this because he got offered the same amount of money to return to the Denver Nuggets, and he still chose to go to the Detroit Pistons. Really? He might be one of the – yeah, they matched it. Hmm. He might be one of those players that gets worse out of his role because they give him too much responsibility. He's in a perfect position and has a – I'm not saying you know they have a really, really good shot at beating the Lakers – but I mean, you're not on a bad team if you're on Denver Nuggets. Look what you did last year. Don't don't you want to grow with Jamal Murray and Jokic? I mean, you're getting the same bag. So I don't really know what he thought. And maybe if you went to a Miami, that would be different. But you're going to Detroit, Detroit. I, I think at its core, man, it, it, it's belief in the self, right? Like you, if you're Jeremy Grant and you see this kid, Michael Porter Jr., sniffing up your minutes, right? You know that there's going to be the ultimate third option. And if I feel like I can hoop better and, and I, I can go out and, and do something in my own right and say, you know, maybe I can drop 20 a game if I wanted to. I want that opportunity. I don't just want to be a role player. I, I think uh, I'm capable of a bit more than that. Maybe that's the risk you go take on yourself and go play out in Detroit. I, I I think that's fair, you know, if, I, if I'm a guy who thinks it's capable of more and I'm not comfortable in my role and I think I'm capable of more, why not? That's that, I understand that. But let's go ahead and keep it pushing. Let's get out of Detroit. No one wants to be there anyway. Marcus Morris, Los Angeles Clippers, four years, 64 million. How do we feel? I think, because aren't the Morris brothers like 31 years old, 32 years old? 31, I think. For some reason, when I saw this trade... I, my mind went to like they, I feel like they overpaid him a little bit. I, I know he is valuable because he can, you know, switch, uh, uh, you know, be versatile in different positions. But I don't really know. I, I, I'd give it, I'd give it a three point five, just because. I mean, he, I feel like he is, and he made it known that he is uh, uh, not a super integral part of this team, but is important. But I feel like they overpaid him a little bit. It, it, maybe that's just me, though. Mm. 
I think that's, I'm kind of surprised that you gave it three and a half because I thought it would be universally panned. But I think, yeah, in my eyes, that, that that's three stars to me because I think the Clippers really need Marcus Morris. You know, they need someone who can kind of do the three and D-ish uh, thing. Yes. And there wasn't a lot of players on the market for it. Plus, you know, they had his bird rights um, and, you know, they could go however over the cap for him. Um, yeah, they did overpay. Like, he's not worth four years and 64, but that's the player they had to keep. So why not pay him? Like, there's nothing really wrong with that. I mean, I'm going to give it two and a half just because in two years' time, you're going to be looking at yourself like, shit, this is not the deal we want on our books right now. But I can understand why they did it. But, you know, if I'm looking at it in a vacuum and just saying we paid Marcus Morris $64 million for four years of basketball at age 31. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. So I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Let's move on to uh, Washington. Shooters are getting the bag this offseason. That much has been made clear. Shooters are getting the bag. Davis Bertans, five years, $80 million returning to the Washington Wizards, who, by the way, John Wall just requested a trade. We might get into that in a later episode. But Davis Bertans, how we feeling? My guy Bertans for my... uh, uh... Uh, I, I hope you guys listened to the other episode of drafting bench guys. So you guys, like, no one takes this the wrong way. But I, ha- I had my all-white team. <laughs> and, I mean, that was just hilarious. Shooters! <laughs> I really didn't mean to. But, man, Bertans is lethal <laughs> in uh, uh, from three. So I'm happy he got his bag. I do think they overpaid for a guy that, you know, Really, uh, uh, I mean, their team is not going to contend at all. Um, I, I know some people like to say they have really good pieces there, but they're not going to come close to contending. Maybe it's a long, you know, like a long-term play type of thing. So overall, uh, I do love Do- uh, uh, Bertans, but in the end, I feel like they overpaid him a little bit. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Mm. You're generous with I these feel, stars, man. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you're pretty <laughs> gen- generous with your ratings. Um, so see, this is so weird because I'm all these deals that I thought you guys would be like one star, two stars, three stars. But I mean, again, I, I give this deal three stars as well. Um, I like, you know, seeing shooters get paid. Cause again, like, you know, shooting is the name of the game right now. And, uh, you know, Bertans is like that guy. He's probably a top five shooter, just pure shooter in the game right now. And he really does some crazy things offensively with that shot in terms of creating gravity. Um, so if you're Washington, like, yeah, it's, it's worth it. I mean, what else are you giving that money to? Like if you're rebuilding and you got to trade wall and Beal away, like why not just have uh, Bertans there? And then there's also that fourth year option, I think. So they can actually get themselves out of that contract by year four um, if they want to. So it's really not bad. Like 60 million a year. I, like, I, I didn't know that. Part. Not bad. I didn't know that part. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I'll give it three stars as well. It's just like, you know, one of those things where it just makes sense. It's not anything overly flamboyant. Um, but that's a guy that, you know, it's good to have around 20 million, I think. Might be a slight overpay. Like, I, I get it. Shooters are premium right now. But $20 million for Davis Bertans might feel like a little much if I'm a GM. But, you know, if you're the Wizards, fuck it, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, But <laughs> other shooters... Joe Harris for a year, seventy-five million. Interesting. Um, a little bit more per year, right? If my math is right. So, how do we feel about that one? I mean, Joe Harris is that guy. 
I feel like it was necessary to to overpay him um, if he was going to demand it, which obviously, you know, happened because you have guys who can shoot, you know, within themselves in KD and Kyrie, but they demand the ball. They're as much as KD played off the ball as much as he could with the Warriors and as efficient as he is that he doesn't need the ball, you know, 100% of the time. He needs it actually less than Kyrie needs the ball. Um, but they needed Joe Harris badly, you know, for off the ball movement, you know, type of shooters. So I give this a 4.5 out of 5. Hmm. Wow. See, I actually give this two stars Ooh. Um, because I don't know if the Nets need Joe Harris because if you have KD and Kyrie and then you're rumored to get a third star and, and even if they don't get a third star, you still have Dinwiddie, but- you still have Harris. You know, like you're paying a guy twenty million a year essentially to be your fifth or sixth best player, and I, no, like I know he fills a specific role, but given the talent on that team, um, you can find yourself a shooter. Like they're they're not going to be as good as Joe Harris, but you know you can find yourself a shooter with the commensurate talent around him. You know, like it's going to still be fine. So again, that's just a question, Here- right? It's like. Can you I, could be stuck with that contract going forward, especially if there's any regression. No, because I, like, I do want to interject, though, because I feel like a lot of people peg Joe Harris as, like, just a shooter, but he can do a little bit more than just, like, shoot the ball. Like, he, he has a heater. And this is why this is why I don't I don't think Harris got overpaid at all. Like, I thought this was his market. I'm just surprised Brooklyn gave him this much money because, mm-hmm. like, I thought they would have stopped at a certain number and that, you know, Atlanta or some other team with cap space would have really gave him the bag. But, no, like, he's a really good finisher being- now. Like, he... You're being harsh with a with a two though, but it's just like they're giving him a lot of money when they don't need to, and like I get that. Like where else are they spending it on? But, but here's my thing: even if you do try to trade and want to trade for a third star, whether it's right now or, or next year, I mean, he's still a trade price that you, that you can throw. You, you don't think the Rockets would want him? In a but basketball. at you know at at uh, four years more or three years more and twenty million per year, pretty much. Like I think it's then you start on that i think so too um that was my question is how does this affect the potential uh uh deal with the rockets because i can't imagine that you can keep him on that deal and also have james harden on the team you're way over the cap at that point right yeah yeah Hmm. you can interesting so i'll probably give it i'll give it three stars i'll put it in the same reign as the davis bertans fuck it why not um, and I mean, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, like, I love Joe Harris. Like, he's become such a good player. He can put the ball on the ground. He can, he can put can. the ball on the ground. He can definitely do that. And he can defend pretty well. He, like, you can defend better yeah, than he, you he's not. He's not, he's not going to be like a Kyle Corver, dude. Right. He defends well given our perceptions. Yes, the anti ugly The anti ugly theorem. All right, let's talk about my guy, the unicorn, Christian Wood. Three years, forty-one million to the Houston Rockets. How are we feeling? I mean, I I really thought you know the way that uh, uh, Reagan was talking about him. I thought he was going to get more money. He should have got uh, more money, if you ask me. He's worth way more than that. Well, what's the number again? Three forty-one. I I think he's worth fifteen million a year, easily. Yeah, he got three for forty-one. Three for forty-one. I. Uh, and again, he was about to get nine per. That would have been egregious. I, I mean, and I mean, I didn't watch a lot of Christian Wood, but once that happened, I was like, um, Lakers better swoop in if that's the if that's the market. We better swoop in. Um, but uh, again, 
you know, Eddie, I know you have some stuff to say about, you know, uh, uh, that you wish James Harden, you know, would have had an opportunity if he doesn't, if he does get traded to, to play with Christian. That would have been too. nice. Man. But overall, for, for, you know, to get a young guy like that for Houston um, in, in a potentially, you know, uh, uh, departing away from James Harden, I give it like a, from an overall value, you know, perspective, I, I give it a four. I mean, first off, this is, it's egregious that Detroit didn't keep him because he's young, he has upside, you know, like he, he plays a, a, a position with premier skills that not a lot of players have. It just does not make sense why they didn't keep Sounds him. Sounds like a uniform. And then, okay, <laughs> if you want to, like, he's good. I, I never said he's not good. I'm just saying unicorn is, is a pretty, you know, strong. Y'all only want to call tall white dudes who can shoot unicorns. Chet Holmgren and Chris Stapps. That's besides the point. Go ahead. I man. mean, Anthony Davis is not white last time I checked. But and, um, anyways, to continue the point, this is a five-star signing for Houston um, because, again, I think Christian Wood is really good. And we know, like, what Houston values. I mean, even with Maury and D'Antoni gone, like, you get yourself a big that can space the floor and defend the rim. I mean, that's just crazy good. And, I mean, of course, James Harden and Westbrook look like they want out. But if they were committed to play there, like, you know, I said Houston was a contender then. They they traded away Covington, but, you know, uh, get a engage Harden and Westbrook with Christian Wood and, and some other pieces, P.J. Tucker there. That's still a good team. It's just funny to me. Like, we're talking about Houston. Like, we know that they're going to disband, and they probably are. But if you look at the roster, like, that's such a damn good team right now. It's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you 100%. That's a five-star deal. Um, I think that this guy that easily commands or should have commanded 15 mil a year based on what he showed last season. Um, so you got him at a bargain in my point, in my opinion. Um, and if Houston does have to blow up either way, even if they don't blow up, that's a perfect guy to have next to Harden and Westbrook. And if they do blow up, I think that's a guy that you can definitely build around moving forward. So I I think that's a perfect signing for Houston five-star. You know, I love me some Christian Wood. That dude can do it all on the court. Um, shoot, defend, um, not, I don't think his passing skills are that great, but you know, there's some potential there. So yeah, that a- anything attached to Christian Woods, Dane, five stars, five stars gets the Reagan Griffin. Okay. All right. Let's go on down to Portland. Derek Jones, two for 19, Rodney hood, two for 21. What do we think about how Portland's doing, uh, to build? I mean, I can, I, I can see, I can see why the number makes sense for Rodney hood. I mean, that that's not too bad. It's 10 and a half per year. Uh, for your, I guess, premium off the bench score, um, so I, I don't think that that's terrible. Um, but when I look at the Derrick Jones Jr., uh, I feel very opposite of, of you guys. I mean, the fact that we got Montrez for that same number, and Derrick Jones Jr. is not going to be nearly as kind of you know effective to the overall equation of contention which I don't think the Portland Trailblazers can do at this stage. Um, I think that was just a horrible deal, not to mention that they got Cantor, um, you know, in a trade. But overall, you know, I guess with with the, the two of those wings, I'm giving that like a like a two out of five. Because, I mean, you're like you're, you're like trying to convince yourself and convince your fan base that, you know, these are the last pieces we need to, to compete against these teams. That's false. That, that That's just pure, you know, falsehood. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, two out of five. 
I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're misunderstanding what Derrick Jones can bring to the team. And also, like, let's set the record straight. No, but let's set the record straight that Montrez only got the money that he got because he was going to the Lakers. Damn, I don't... you used your own show name on you, bro. I ain't never seen that shit, bro. He said, Look, let me set not, the record not... straight on you for a second. Let's not use that Montrez contract as a barometer of, like, oh, players like him only got $9 million a year. Wait, so you don't think Montrez would have chosen uh, 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 to go to, let, let's say, a uh, uh, Charlotte Hornets if he would have gotten, like, 17 mil a year for three years? I felt like he could have. I thought he was going to command 20 a year. I don't know what his actual market looked like. Obviously, I'm not in those rooms, but I thought he was getting at least 17 mil, that number. I, I mean, you can get my, – my point is is that you can get a Derrick Jones Jr. type of, you know, role guy – to a, a wing like that for much cheaper. But, I mean, back to the Montrez point, I think he started the year thinking he'd get a certain number. It wasn't there. And he thought, let me recuperate my value, you know, while playing for the team that has, a, you know, a, a, a strong tie to my representation and my agency. But uh, Derek Jones is more than just a, you know, a role player defender. Like he can, he's a guy that can guard one to four, maybe five. Um, offensively, like, yeah, there's some questions. Like, he's a good passer, not a good shooter. But, I mean, defensively, you know that's the type of player that Portland needs. Like, they have enough offense. They were number three in offense last year. You know, they need guys who can defend. They got Covington. Now they have Derrick Jones in there who can, you know, be like a role, like a bench defender when they need. Um, and then Rodney Hood was the guy who was so good two years ago for them, you know, in instant offense off the bench. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep we, saying that Portland is legit this year. We have, to mention, that, we have to mention that Rodney Hood's coming off a, an Achilles tear. And they can move They sure. can move along slowly. They still have Gary Trent. I mean, they have scores. So, Here's uh, my what, question what, for you, what's Julio. Your, what's your rating? What's your rating? It's four and a half stars. Wow. Here, here's my question for you, Julio, is like if you're Portland, right, are you blowing it up? I'm not saying you blow it up, but you. So, like, what else can you do but sign like the best role players out there? Me, I feel, I feel me, like they signed some pretty to, good I'm, role players. Me, I'm trying to make big moves. I'm trying to trade uh, uh, McCollum and, and Nurkic to get like another big star to pair to. Who I the mean, hell gonna give yeah. you a star for McCollum and Nurkic? Uh, I don't know. You ain't getting. You ain't getting. I mean, I'm saying like I feel like for what Portland has at their disposal, they did about as well as they could. Um, you gotta take you. Uh, my point is, is you gotta take risks. But I'm saying I the risks aren't there for Portland right now. They kind of put themselves in a corner with the contracts that they already have on the books. I feel like you already Dame, Dame's a centerpiece, right? CJ's a guy that I think fits best in Portland. He's not a centerpiece. Damian no. Lillard's not a centerpiece. No, no, CJ McCollum. Is oh no, 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 I don't think he's a centerpiece per se, but I think he fits better in Portland than he would anywhere else. So his value around the league isn't quite what it is to Portland. So if you trade him, you're getting negative value. You know what I mean? You, you combine that with Nurkic, right? I think Nurkic is straight. And you go ahead and get you some role players like Covington, Derek Jones Jr., Rodney Hood, Gary Trent. Like I, I think Portland, I'm not quite with you in the fact that they're going to be legit this year. I think they're going to be a playoff team, maybe a first-round exit, possibly second round. But um, exactly. I think they did about as well as they could have given their circumstances. So I'll give them a three-and-a-half stars for, for those moves. Oh. Derek, Derek Jones does everything that team needs to do and Except the things that he's not good at. The team already has enough of, so that it's a really good fit there. All right, let's go on down to cold-ass Minnesota. 
Let's talk about Malik Beasley, four years, sixty million. Now this is one on the surface. I kind of feel like some like out of touch NBA fans might be like, "Ooh, why would you pay him that much?" But if you know Malik Beasley, you know his game. It's like maybe it's a slight overpay, but it's not as egregious as it might seem on the surface. What do you guys think? It's an overpay, but what makes it not egregious for me, but what toes that line for me that it's like why is that you just drafted Anthony Edwards. You mm-hmm. want Anthony Edwards to have that, you know, uh, uh, maybe, maybe you don't you don't want to throw him into the fire, you know, right away, but he's not going to be thrown into the fire like the way R.J. Barrett was. He mm-hmm. has Cat there with him. He has D'Angelo Russell there with him. He Damn, he has uh, Ricky Rubio there with him now too, back in Minnesota. So it's like you kind of want to, 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 you know, nurture – Anthony Edwards, while still giving him that, you know, room to grow and be free and grow into his own player, because, I mean, in the end, he's a number one draft pick. Let him play. Let him excel. You don't want Malik Beasley stunning that growth, especially at that number, especially with with what happened, you know, this offseason. I mean, if if in a contract year or or in an offseason where, you, you know, you're a free agent, you're, you're messing around getting arrested by, you know, the police. You can't be doing that stuff and bringing that around my team culture with the guy I just drafted at number one. Don't, don't be bringing that around here. And obviously that's, that's more on a serious note, but um, yeah, I, I actually give this a one out of five. Mm. Wow. That's harsh. No, knowing, knowing that he can, that he can play, knowing that he can play, but it, to me, oh. it's Anthony Edwards stuff. So on the Anthony Edwards point, I think they're going to do the Jared Culver thing with him where I don't know whether he's ready to go day one to play big And minutes. they have Jared Culver. I, wow. I forgot. I forgot. But like, I think, again, like Minnesota's been bad for so long. It's good to have options rather than to not have options. And Edwards is a guy to me that you can bring along a little slower. But in terms of Beasley, Reagan, you said it. Maybe casual. I don't know just how um, good he might be. Um, just in in the few games where he was with Minnesota last year, um, he was scoring 20 points a game um, on 43% from three, taking eight threes a game for them. So that dude is a volume shooter and an accurate shooter. Um, and he can, you know, make threes in a variety of ways. He can't really defend, but, you know, neither can anyone else on Minnesota. If they're going to beat uh-huh. people, they're going to beat people by scoring 150. But I, I think it's a good fit for Minnesota. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. They have the Houston uh, assistant GM that's uh, the GM they're now um, that I don't know, like it, it's a good fit for them. I give it four out of five stars. That's about I feel like, Malik Beasley's value. I mean, I feel like it's a good fit if if you don't have Anthony Edwards there. I mean, sure, like he can get twenty a game off that percentage of shooting, but I mean, who are you going to start? But like, even if if uh, Anthony Edwards from day one looks super awesome, you can move Beasley as like a six man off the bench, like a Buddy Heel type, what he was doing in Sacramento last year. Like, and I think it gonna, works. You're gonna pay him that much. That, I mean, to, to, can, to be, can Culver to be play three? Culver plays two, right? He doesn't play three. I mean, he should really play the one, if you ask me. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm just trying to figure out what the rhyme or reason. I'm kind of with you, Julio, and I like Malik Beasley as well. It's just like you got Rubio, you have Anthony Edwards, you have Culver, you have D'Angelo Russell, you have the exactly like you have all these guards. How do you make that work? How do you at the same time let your veterans do what you paid them money to do and develop your young guys at the same time? 
But, you know, like I said, I, I like Malik Beasley a lot as well. Um, and I think that's a guy that should have – it's good to have if you're Minnesota. Um, although you raised the questions about the culture in the locker room. I, I mean, the dude can flat out hoop. Um, I'm not willing to, you know, pass judgment on people off singular mistakes. But, you know, I'll probably be in somewhere in the middle of y'all. I, I give it like a three-star um, just because I have questions on what the execution is going to look like on the court with such a crowded backcourt. Let's keep it pushing, though. Let's go ahead and talk about Gallo. Mr. I want to go play for a contender. Psych, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. go get my bag. Yeah, yeah. To the Hawks, three years, 61 million. Talk to me. My butt, he wants to go contend. Fallacies. Fallacies. Blasphemous. Blasphemous. <laughs> I want to go contend. And again, I don't blame him. I would have taken that deal too. Shoot. I, I mean, Atlanta isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Uh, uh, making what twenty one mil per year? So, I mean, good for him. Good for him that he found a market. Good for I, I guess I, I don't know if Atlanta is trying to develop young guys or come think that they can compete. But there's no way that team is competing. But um, for Gallo, that's a five out of five because that's the best deal he's going to get around the league. For the Hawks, to me, it's kind of confusing because uh, I mean he does fit well for that team theoretically, but. I don't know. It, it's like you're, you're not going to compete. So, I mean, is he going to help? I disagree. I think that team can compete, man. Oh, my God. You got well, Trey. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, we're going to have to do another pod where we rank and give tiers in the East. You know, what, what we did at the very beginning, tier one, tier two, tier three. Shoot, but man. I mean, they're not Trey? in tier two. They're not in tier two. Perhaps Again, not, but tier get, three is enough to get uh, you into the playoffs if you're the Hawks. Again, you can give me all these names individually. Every team has nice pieces. I mean, these aren't even like hypothetically good pieces. These are like good-ass basketball players. Trey, Gallo, Onyeko Kongu is going to be good. I promise you that off the bat, Onyeko is going to be good. Cam Reddish is a guy who showed flashes of being really good oh, last year. Oh, uh, well, now, now, now you're getting oh, into So we don't think Cam Reddish is hooping. So we don't think Cam Reddish is hooping. I remember both, can, not. I, I remember both you guys hi- hyping up Cam Reddish last year because uh, of what he could be. That that's BS. I mean, he showed it. I, like, granted, it was flashes, oh but like, yeah, I mean, so, shoot, we are we gonna say that he's gonna be who he was for his rookie year all throughout his career? So from what I'm hearing, so from what I'm hearing, they should easily get the fifth seed. Oh, nah, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think they, they can be. They're a, they, they have, I think they're, they the I think they're a playoff team. I do think they're a playoff team. I wouldn't quite put them up there at the fifth seed, but I think they're so a playoff they team. So what are you saying if they don't make the playoffs? What am I saying if they don't make the playoffs? Like, you want me to put some well, up? Would you be surprised? Because I would I would be, be very surprised if this team didn't make the playoffs in that Eastern Conference. Yeah. Wow. See, I think after signing Gallinari, I would probably be more surprised. But... I think this is right down the middle. The first mediocre deal for me, three out of five stars. Um, Atlanta needs more shooting, needs more veteran players. But also now you're looking at a really crowded roster. Um, you bring in Gallinari there. They're rumored to bring in Bogdan as well. And then this is this is a really interesting thing to me. They're young players right now. They have Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Okongwu, or Capella, and, and Kevin Herter. So... There's a lot. There's going to be a roster crunch sometime soon, and if Atlanta is smart, they might have the best package right now to get themselves a, a bona fide star. Because if Bradley Beal wants out, you know, go throw him Cam Reddish, go throw him Kevin Herter, go throw him John Collins in a deal, 
you know, go get Bradley Beal. So they might have themselves set up really nicely for a start, but as of right now, they need to figure out, you know, how that roster is shaking up. Julio, you're shaking your head, man. What's going on? Because if Bradley Beal is going to get traded, he's going to want to go somewhere that's not a repeat of what he just had. And obviously, but if he goes to Atlanta... Obviously, he doesn't have a Trey Young next to him, but damn, bro, if I'm going to ask to be traded, I'm going to try to go to a contender. Sorry, contender. I mean, you're going to, again, if you have Trey Young, Bradley Beal, Gallinari, and, you know, one of them rim running bigs. And you're going to compete against Kyrie, KD, LeBron, AD, Kawhi, PG. Come on. Come on. I mean, Giannis, give, it a couple, give it a couple years when those guys, you know, age out of their primes. Yeah. I do feel well, like Bradley Beal doesn't exactly fit the timeline of what the Hawks are trying to do. I would probably try to go younger there, but I, I don't. I don't know why you hate this Hawks team so much, man. I think there's a lot of, like, you know, potential there. Not just, like, potential that hasn't blossomed yet, but already blossoming potential. Nah, bro. Nah, nah. Man, all right. Julio hates the Hawks. Good to know. I mean, I mean, if, if, we're, if we're going by, uh, uh, you know, draft, you know, what these guys should be, I mean, this team should be a super team. Right? This team should really be a super team. Damn, Julio, they played for a year. Like, <laughs> like shit, bro. This man, I mean, Cam Reddish is like second-year player. DeAndre Hunter is second-year player. Can they hoop for a little bit, bro? Trey Young was a high lottery pick. DeAndre Trey Hunter, Young's hoping. He's hoping. That's he all He's the only guy that I love. He's the only guy that I you love. You don't mess with John Collins? Not really. Why? Because, I mean, I said this on the last podcast. <laughs> all he can do is jump and shoot. And, and Reagan was like, damn, that's all you need to do. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I no. Like but, that. I mean, re- really, though, this team should really be a super team, right? They have multiple guys. I think th- five or four or five I mean, guys. Give it like three years. I, I'm saying like Julio would be the most impatient general manager of all time. He'd be like, I drafted you three weeks ago. How are you not an all-star yet? Damn it. Trade his ass. I mean, Get him out of there. I mean, they have four or five guys in, that they picked in the lottery. So, I mean, if they drafted right, they, they should really bro, have Bro, they just got drafted, bro. <laughs> Bro, this man is really on Cam Reddish's head for not immediately being rookie of the year, just not being a, a fucking phenom off the bat, bro. That's hilarious. We'll we'll get into that. I feel like the Hawks are going to be an interesting team to discuss moving forward. But we are crunch for time, so let's go ahead and take a ride on over to Utah. Derek Favors, uh, three years, thirty million, and remind me of what Jordan Clarkson got. I'm forgetting. Four and fifty-two, I think. Four, ooh, wow, that's a little. Okay, what do we think about that? I think they needed to bring back Jordan Clarkson. I, I, I forgot what they traded for him, but their intention was to keep him, and he didn't show them anything that, you know, w- would make them want to be like, oh, we don't, we don't want this guy. So as an off-the-bench, you know, you know kind of, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're Lou Will or, or, you know, Dennis Schroeder type of player. I mean, he, he, he's going to be that player, you know, probably for the rest of his career. So I think that move within itself is solid. Um, in terms of Derek Favors, my only concern with him is that he gets hurt all the time. And what, what was the price tag again? Uh, three years, thirty three years, thirty. That's that's not horrible. I mean, that's not terrible. So I, I in in all, I, I'd give it a three point five. I think, well, first of all, pray for Jordan Clarkson. You know, he's such a flashy player and had to spend like the last four years in Cleveland and Utah and now four more years. 
But I mean, he got his money, you know, Rich Paul uh, negotiated it for him and, you know, go get your bag wherever it may be. And you're right, Julio, he was genuinely filling out a really good role for Utah as a sixth man. And I think Utah could use his scoring. Um, he's basically the same deal like four years ago with, with the Lakers. So this is basically where his market is at. And then for Derek Favors, maybe this is like my hot take, but if Rudy Gobert is asking for the max, Utah's got to dip out of there immediately, not give him yes. that. Then you can work with Derek Favors and, you know, kind of do like a center by committee, you know, and, and Derek Favors is like a good kind of anchor. Um, I've thought that in the playoffs, you know, from like a playoff standpoint, Derek Favors is a better defender in a vacuum than Gobert because, you know, he's more versatile. He can move his feet better. He can stick cards. I would have agreed with you up until this past year. I think he showed, you know, Rudy Gobert was able to stay on the court. I think we just forget because Derek Favors looks so sluggish because of injuries this year. And granted, he is injured a lot. But two years ago, he was really, really good, like, on defense. And even playing next to Gobert, even with limited spacing, whatever. um, Derek Favors can really guard like crazy. Um, and then offensively gives you a little bit more with like short roll potential than Gobert can. Um, so I think it's good value. It all hinges on the health, but it's also a good backup plan of Gobert starts asking for crazy money. I, I did want to leave that point to you because, you know, when you brought that up before we, you know, started recording, I thought it was a good point because ain't no way in hell that I'm paying Rudy Gobert, whatever he's going to ask for. And I know it's going to be, and you know, an enormous amount of money. So that that is a great point. Mm, interesting. I'll probably give it three stars. It's almost one of those things. Just like cool. Uh, like they, they, those are two good players. Those are two players that fit their system. Uh, I'm I'm on the fence about the idea of whether I'd have Rudy Gobert or uh, or, or Derek Favors because obviously from a value standpoint, it seems to make more sense for Favors. But over the course of this past year, I, I've become more of a fan of Rudy Gobert than I was before. So, I don't know. I'm on the fence about that. I'm not sure I'd slide him the max, but it, it's iffy. Good thing I don't have to make that decision. Anyways, let's move on to our final team. The Denver Nuggets brought Jermichael Green onto the team for two years, $15 million. Might seem insubstantial, unsubstantial to the average NBA onlooker, but talk to the folks, Julio, about why this why this is significant for the uh, the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I think this is really a sneaky good move. What I think hurt sometimes the Denver Nuggets, you know, anybody, you know, anytime somebody started talking, whether it was announcers or reporters, started talking about uh, Paul Millsap, uh, they would talk about, you know, they would really lean on, on his ability to to talk to young guys, acculturate them to the culture, and, and really nurture them. They didn't really talk about his play on the court because that kind of dipped this past year and over the last few years because obviously he's getting older. He's not the same player. So I think, I really do believe that Jermichael Green, not only, you know, if they let go of Millsap, he'll fill in that role and he'll fill that role even better um, because what he showed me with the Clippers last year I mean, not only can, is he a player that can, you know, stay on the court, but he can be a legitimate threat. Bro can shoot uh, 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 and, you know, get get his own bucket sometimes at, at his position. So I actually really like that signing for the Nuggets. I'm going to give it, a, especially from a value standpoint, um, I, I won't say a five because it's not going to obviously get them over the top, but I will say it's definitely nothing lower for me than a four. Mm. I'm, I I give it a four and a half star as well, and especially after losing Jeremy Grant, 
like that must have been a big blow for them because they really wanted to build around um, or have Jeremy Grant as part of their you know team going forward. But pivoting to Jermichael Green as fast as they did, um, super smart move by them in their front office. Um, I don't think Jermichael Green is a guy that can start for them and play like 30 plus minutes like Grant did, but um, he can slide as a four and a five um, in a bench role, play like 20 minutes a game. Um, they're still going to have to figure out that powered forward position, but uh, Jermichael Green is like part of the solution. And I mean, gives you like 80% of what Jeremy Grant does. So I think that that's, that's a really good move by them. It's almost like they blended, right, what they lost in Jeremy Grant with what they lost in Mason Plumley. Um, they kind of got a guy that kind of doesn't fit exactly what either one of them does individually, but can kind of cross over and fill certain things that they did on the court. I like the deal. Um, I've liked Michael Green for a very long time now, back when he started out in Memphis. That was that guy's always been a hustler and an underrated shooter. What, Julio, to, what do you have to say always, about Memphis right now? Always, what, what, always, what? Has to find, always has to find a way to, to reference. He's, I, I can't bring up Memphis because that's where I first saw him play. I saw him play with my own eyes, and I like watching him play. Whatever, man. I don't care. I've also had other experiences with Michael Green, obviously. I told you all about way back when at the beginning of this long-ass season where I said I saw that dude at Weed Ats Wings getting wings, not making sure his body was right for the season. I was like, Jermichael. You know the Lakers are coming for that ass, right? And what happened? Lakers didn't even have to come for that ass. They, did, they didn't even make it to the Western Conference Finals. Like, we didn't even have to. So, either way, I'm probably going to give that deal, you know, probably three and a half, four stars. Like I said, I like the way Jermichael Green hoops. But that'll do it for this episode. Gentlemen, before we get up out of here, any more thoughts on the remainder of free agency? I'm sure we're going to have more news coming our way very soon. So uh, any last words before we get back on Um, on Tuesday? I do want to applaud the Knicks for not doing anything dumb. But tomorrow they're probably going to give Fred Van Vliet like a five-year max deal. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Danny Danny Ainge, I know you're listening to the podcast. Don't be stingy. That's don't don't ask. That's like asking a fish not to breathe water, man. Don't do that. Anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm gonna go get my body right for this matchup against Julio tomorrow. As always, make sure you go follow at SQR1 Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. Like I said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.